Hey guys, welcome back to the Music Matters Media Podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. And today we have such a cool episode for you guys. We are going to be talking about a band that is so near and dear to my heart. Literally anybody that knows me, and I feel like you guys at this point know by the amount of times I've mentioned this in the past, anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Blink-182 fan. Right, Eric? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I've known that forever. They are my absolute favorite band in the entire world. And with good reason. They're an awesome band. I mean, I, I can't say that enough. Now, I know obviously you guys should be following Music Matters Media on social media. If you're not, I don't know what you're doing. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. You guys should know this by now, but I am also going to shamelessly plug my personal page. You can find me on Instagram at Lisa underscore 182. Therefore, Eric, you can't refer to me as Lisa anymore. I am just Lisa 182 at all times. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like a really cool code name. <laughs> oh, man. But honestly, you guys, with all that being said, we are going to be talking about California, their 2016 album with Matt Skiba, first album without Tom DeLonge. Totally have a lot to say about that. And we're going to be talking about the California Deluxe Edition, which came out in 2017, because we also have a lot to say about that. And even though they're my favorite band in the entire world, everything has positives and negatives. So with that being said, I will definitely give my honest opinion for both sides. I'm absolutely excited to hear what you've got to say because I too will give my honest opinion for both of those albums. But as always, before we can get into that, we have our top three. So our top three countries of this week, international top three. Here we go. Coming in at number three, we have Brazil. Nice. Nice to see them back. Coming in at number two, they drop down a spot. Germany. Wow. They dropped down one, but hey, you made top three, so congratulations. And Eric, they dropped down one because you already know that the United Kingdom was not having it, so they have come back to the number one spot to reclaim their place as number one, top three. There you have it, you guys. Brazil, Germany at number two, and at number one, the United Kingdom. Yeah, they don't mess around, man. I knew they wouldn't. Stay down for long. So loyal. So freaking loyal. Thank you guys so much for making our top three this week. And thank you to all of our listeners out there all around the world. 
We have so much love for you guys. We cannot thank you enough for clicking play and listening to our voices and thinking we are cool enough for you to stick around and keep coming back. And with that, have no fear to everybody else out there. If you want to make our top three next week or any week after that, all you guys have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your loved ones, with your families. Just share the damn thing. (laughs) And we could be shouting you out next. Eric, it's time, the moment that they've all been waiting for, California and California Deluxe. We will start out with California because it came out first, obviously. So let's start with our thoughts about that, positives, negatives, what we thought about it at the time versus what we think about it now. Does songs hold up? Do they not? So... Obviously, to anyone who's a huge Blink-182 fan, such as yourself, uh, and me as well, California was a huge deal when it came out. We were both, you know, we just had such high expectations, but we were also worried because of, obviously, the whole situation surrounding the band at the time. So we were both like, what's it going to sound like? What's, What's going on? So to give everyone a little context... The EP prior to California was called Dogs Eating Dogs, and it was the last studio release that featured Tom DeLonge, the original singer-slash-guitar player. So, unfortunately, Tom DeLonge left the band for a second time following that EP, and, of course, the band's future was up in the air, no one was certain about what would happen it was a very confusing time because there was a lot of miscommunication and a lot going on in the fan base of did he get kicked out did he leave what's going on and tom was trying to cover his tracks and sending mixed messages and there was a lot of tension and you can tell mark and travis were pissed so it was just a lot of emotion running high at that time and yeah it's a time that I'll definitely never forget me too and at the time you know they were planning to do the music festival and you know now that Tom was out they're like what are we gonna do so then comes in Matt Skiba they hire him to fill in for Tom and you know at first what turns out to be just a couple of shows eventually turned into Matt being and a full-time member. And we knew member. it. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I remember telling you, you know, I can see it from a mile away. First, it's just a couple of shows. Then it's going to be a whole tour. And then he's eventually going to end up being a full-time member. And that's exactly what happened. And at Spoiler f- alert. <laughs> <laughs> and at first, I didn't know what to make of it. I, I, like I'm sure a bunch of other fans, we weren't happy about it because we were just... Based on the live shows we were seeing, we were like, what's the point? You know, Matt and Mark sound way too similar. They're both in the same range. So many people gave him shit. So many people. And to be honest, in the beginning, I was definitely not on board either. Definitely not on board because I'm a huge, huge fan of Tom DeLonge. So at that point in time, I just really didn't want to wrap my head around the fact that Blink-182 will never be the same again, you know? And uh, it was definitely a lot to absorb and take in. And I was extremely upset when it happened. Yeah, me too. But at the same time, you know, looking back on it, 
I do admit that it was natural for them to want to keep going because I think even they said themselves, you know, we're we're not going to quit this time. I mean, we're going to keep on going. He, you know, Tom already did this to us once. Uh, but we're not going to we're going we're not going to let that affect us again, so we're just going to keep it going with someone else. You know what bothers me the most, Eric? What bothers me the most is people could say what they want about it, but I actually enjoyed neighborhoods as a whole. I think that you know, despite there being so much miscommunication and them not being able to get in a room together and record like how they used to, they really did well on that album for what they did at the time for everybody being in separate places and then just mashing things together. I thought that was a really solid album for the circumstances. And what bothers me the most is Dogs Eating Dogs, the EP, showed so much potential of their next album really killing it and being some of the best material it could possibly be. Because Dogs Eating Dogs was when they finally got their shit together and they put their differences aside and everybody left that awkwardness at the door and they really acted like a band again. They acted how they were before, before things got weird, before they broke up back in the early 2000s. So... It just showed so much potential and it just really sucks having that taste of what could be and then that being ripped away from you with this happening. So that was really rough for me. I totally agree. I, I hate that it ended on that type of cliffhanger. And as for Neighborhoods, I really enjoyed it too. You know, for the circumstances that surrounded the band, you know, Travis was still dealing with the airplane accident that he had and he had said that you know, it was a difficult process for him to record, but even with all of that, they made a great album, my opinion. Totally agree with you. And I think it's an album that still stands up even today, for sure. So given all of the circumstances surrounding that and the circumstances surrounding Matt Skiba, it was like too much. That's what I'm saying. You could tell with that EP that the magic was still there. It gave me hope, like, wow, you know, when their next album comes out, this is going to be the real deal. Like, Neighborhoods was just the warm-up, and, and this is going to be really it. So then when they dropped that bomb, oh my god, I can only imagine, obviously, I know how I felt, but I can only imagine the whole fan base was probably in an uproar thinking that to themselves as well. Like, really? We're going to go through this again? Yeah, and when the band decided to continue and they decided to include Matt, everyone was like, oh no, this might be worse. It's like politics. Everybody was completely divided on it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, so are we sure we want them to continue now? Like, what do we, where do we stand on this? And when the singles came out, you know, that was also a weird time because everyone's like, mm, we don't know. People yeah. were either like, yeah, this is what we needed, this is a revival, or they were on the complete opposite side saying that this is terrible, why are they still continuing as Blink-182, they're just a cover band now, all these other things. Yeah, so, you know, there were expectations were high going into this album. Poor Matt, he's just a guy, people. He's just a human being. Let me just say, right off the bat, Matt Skiba, I was wrong about you. Let me just say that. Aw, Eric. And the reason I say that is because the day California was released, and I'll always remember it. I'll always remember where I was. I always, I'll always remember what I was doing when you sent me the download for that album. Tell them about our day just really quick. Sum it up because that was an amazing day. 
So we went to see the free GMA show in Central Park where Blink-182 played. When we went there, it was just such an awesome day. It was awesome to see them. And the cool part is they treated us to like a, what, three song encore? Yes. It was awesome. They played Feeling This, which was awesome to hear live. And it was just so cool because prior to that, they had only played the singles for California. So for them to treat us to an extra three songs that were all classics. I was living for it, living my best life. (laughs) Yeah. And then obviously we each went home and we both listened to the album, you know, individually. And let me just say, I was definitely pleasantly surprised at this album in the best way possible. I'll never forget the rush of clicking play and hearing that first boom, hit him with cynical and then the rest of the whole experience. I'll never forget that the feeling of listening to it for the very first time, not knowing what to expect. Yeah, me too. When I heard cynical and, you know, when it was over, the first thing I said to myself was, I take it back. I take everything I said about Matt back. (laughs) You know, he he is his own person on this album and that was a very good feeling to have going into the rest of it because my main concern was that their voices were so similar you wouldn't be able to tell who was who so to have matt's identity you know established very early on in the album was a good feeling for me because then i knew all right there's not going to be any confusion so let's get into that a little bit more let's start off with the positives of this album in your opinion what are some of the highlights on california So the first thing is obviously Matt establishes himself as his own force on California. And I love that even though it's not Tom, you know, Matt being there doesn't detract from the sound of Blink-182. It just kind of adds a different flavor to it. But you can still tell it's them for the most part. So that's one thing. And another thing, I love that the album has a mix of different sounds on it. I love the joke songs. They make a really nice comeback on this album. They're great. Yeah, very great. I'm glad that they never lost their sense of humor. Yeah, and, you know, it it just really keeps the album fun, you know? And they're natural, too. They definitely don't feel forced. Yeah, that's that's the most important thing, that they're not... Because the day that they have to force joke songs, they just shouldn't do them anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I also love that there's a maturity on some of these songs as well, lyrically. I kind of feel like they talk about their families, their home lives, and... You know, more adult situations as well. So that's another plus to it. And here's one that's actually a double-edged sword. The production on one side is good because it's clear. You can identify every single instrument on there and it really packs a punch. However, the production also has a negative. And it is that it really makes the album have an overly glossy feel. It's too clean. Yes. For a punk rock band. Yeah, it definitely takes away from that grit that they were known for. So it's like the guitars feel less distorted. Especially going from something that's like self-titled or even neighborhoods. Yeah, absolutely. The The change is like super noticeable. It's super marked. So even though, yes, the album is awesome, like it, you can identify everything and it does pack a punch, it, it definitely does feel like a step backwards in terms of grittiness. What are some songs that you thoroughly enjoy on this album? Oh, man. So cynical for sure. Matt's voice is awesome on that song. He really, like, sets the bar high on that one. Eric, what's the point of saying sorry now? (laughs) Good one. Good one. Always got to have a joke in there. Um, She's out of her mind right 
just right from the first minute it starts. It's awesome. I love it. If I were introducing people to this album, which I have, that would be the song that I would go with. She's out of her mind, hands down. All my friends, regardless if they are a diehard Blink fan, a casual Blink fan, they don't even know about Blink like that, they love that song. Yeah, it is just the one song you cannot get tired of. Fan know? favorite. Yes, definitely for me. That's that's one of them. Sober. Love that song. Yes. It it just feels like epic, you know, and like the minute Travis starts playing those drums, which he does an amazing job of doing, by the way. I mean, he does an amazing job throughout the entire album, but that is a huge you know. highlight of this album. Thank yes. you for pointing that out. Travis is drumming. He always does such a phenomenal job, but I feel like he really put everything into high gear on this album. I remember showing this album to my dad and that's one of the things he pointed out right away. He was just like, wow, who's that drummer? Because he's outstanding. That was the first thing that he heard on every song was the drums. Yeah, and you can tell Travis was waiting to unleash the beast inside him on that album. It, it, you could just hear it on every single song. But, you know, I, I love Sober. I love the way he plays the drums. And I just love Mark's voice on that song. Totally. Mark killed it on that song. Mark killed it on a lot of these songs, but S Sober was definitely a standout. Yeah, definitely. So other ones, Left Alone, in my yes, opinion. Yes, that is where Matt shines. Yes, aside from Cynical, because I feel that's the other song where he truly shines. But yes, you know, Left Alone is, yeah, I'm not really sure like what the correct phrase for it is, but it's, you know, it, it's the song that truly identifies him on this album. I love the borderline screamed vocals he has on this uh john feldman kind of describes it as you know him trying to reach this new high on the album and vocally of course and i just love that it really sets him apart from mark on that song like there's a really nice contrast between mark's low voice and his you know higher screamed voice so i love that a lot i thought it's easily like one of the best songs for me on this album hands down such a good song that is what really did it for me for for matt when i heard that song for the first time I'm like wow okay he has definitely a lot more than what people are giving him credit for uh to offer this band absolutely and others that i love only thing that matters i love i just love yes. how punk it is doesn't that feel like an old blink song i yeah. feel like you can yeah. lift that song off of this album and throw it on an older Blink record, and it really would fit in, aside from the production being too clean. But th the song itself at its core has such like a dude ranchy kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the, one of the first things I thought of. Uh, even same with the last song, which is also a joke song, Bohemian Rhapsody. That also has a vintage Blink-182 feel. Yes, yes, I totally agree with you. In fact, I know a lot of people were so upset that that was a joke song, not because the joke song was bad, but they felt like it was a waste because it was such a good riff. Yeah, and one thing I also truly enjoyed was that little bit of lead guitar that Matt Skiba did at the beginning. I, I kind of feel like that's a really nice bonus. Um, okay, so what other songs do I like? Uh, I also really like San Diego. That oh, is just... that one hits you right in the chest uh, that's a kick so, in the chest it's such a good song but it's so bittersweet it really is if you know the story behind it and you put the pieces together it just hurts that much more eric tell the people if they haven't figured it out or if they don't know what we're talking about why that song hits home 
it essentially talks about the the dissolution between Tom and the rest of the band members and how the relationship between them essentially soured. And, you know, I, I don't recall the exact lyric, but in the middle when Matt starts singing his verse, that's the part that really hits you because you just feel it so much. And I fortunately was able to see them perform that live. And I have to tell you, when they performed that live, it was like it had even more of an impact. It really did. Yeah. And I, I remember you telling me that that would be that would have been a staple for you to hear that live. So when you said that they did, not only was I happy, but I was like, I can only imagine what those feelings must have been like live. Oh, my God, Eric, if I can explain it, it I would just the only thing I could possibly say is you felt that raw emotion that Mark was giving into the song, unfortunately. Yeah, I can only imagine what the process, the writing process must have been for that. You know, I kind of feel like if there was a song where Mark needed to just discharge all that energy, it was that one. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but they had a whole other album before they had California ready and released. And they ended up meeting up with Feldman and then scrapping everything that they had before. So I can only imagine the original content of that album. It was probably very uh, brutally honest. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you're going to be like, I wonder what that must have been like or what could have been, you know? Oh, totally, totally. Because you're always excited about what a song is like in the pre-planning stages, you know? But all right, let's get into some of the negatives of this album. So as I said prior, one of the things was the production. It's good because it packs a punch, but it's not so good because it really makes the album seem glossy. It's too clean for a punk rock band. There needs to be more rawness. There needs to be more grit. It needs to pack more of a punch. And you can't do that when everything sounds like kids bop. I know that's a little extreme, but you get what I mean. The production is just way too clean and way too polished. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's more poppier than it should be. And the other thing, which I'm sure <laughs> definitely got to a lot of people, are the heavy uses of whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nah, nah, nahs. Nah, nah, nahs. Yeah, that, yes. that was overkill. Such overkill. Like, we can just say it like it is. It's these woes and these nas. Like, I get it that they, they've always been part of their discography. At the same time, it was overkill to the max. They tried to fill any blank space that they had of writer's block. Well, let's just throw in some nas. Let's just throw in some woes. Super lazy, super uninspired and uncreate, like not creative whatsoever. And the whole, I really wholeheartedly disagree with Feldman's process for Mark to just rush to put things together. Like, I'll be right back. You better have this done by the time I get back. With Plus 44, in my opinion, that's some of the best material that Mark has ever written, period. That wasn't Blink-182, but as far as side projects, it's part of just him as a writer himself. Oh my God, that material is just incredible. And I, I feel like that's some of his best work. And the reason why it's so good is because he had the time to put things together, to write, to to record, to release. And there wasn't that pressure of somebody hovering down his back to be like, get this done. We need to put this out. Go with your first thought. Go with your first gut. Like Mark needs 
time to go over things. Yeah, I feel like with producers, it can be a tricky business picking who you work with because there's producers who get involved just enough to guide the process. But then there's others who get involved to the point where you're like, well, there may, you may as well have been a member of the band. And I really do feel that way too. I feel like Feldman was the fourth member of the band in this project. He's a co-writer and he had a huge influence on the sound. And it's so apparent, especially comparing it to any of their other older albums. And with that being said, the only other criticism that I have of this album is some of the content, aside from the woes and the nas, you know, I know sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but it has to do with the lyrics. I feel like sometimes these lyrics are really cringy and really painful to get through. It's a difference when you release a song in your early to mid-20s and that's how you were feeling at the time and you play it back now because it's part of your greatest hits catalog versus you're writing about the girl you're crushing on at school and you're a teenager going through a rebellion at the age of 40. I mean, it's just so not true to who they are as people. And they had highlights on this album where, like you said, they talked about other things as far as things that actually do affect their life and things that they're actually going through. Like On Home is Such a Lonely Place, love that song. And then you have songs like Teenage Satellites where it's just, oh man, that's a real miss for me if five seconds of summer came out with that okay like they could probably get away with it but uh for blink at where they're at now and who they are as people and you know i don't and i don't want to make age a thing but it's just it's that song's hard for me to sit through yeah and i i totally get what you mean like some songs are real misfires in that sense and then other songs you the lyrics aren't really clear like you know I'll, i'll give an example like um no future you know that song is kind of all over the place lyrically so you just kind of lose interest after a while and even kings of the weekend is still something that sounds out of place for them you know from the point of view that they're writing from but you know that that's what i mean like i feel like they kind of got the whole aging along with their music kind of right but not all the way yeah when they hit they really hit and then when they miss it's it's far off yeah, it's, it's, it's apparent from the very beginning. Totally. So with that, why don't we pick our top three favorites? Okay, but before we pick our top three, let's just get it out of the way. One least favorite from this album. What is it? For me, definitely no future. I feel like it's a song that has a couple of good ideas, but ultimately it's it doesn't really go anywhere. It's a mess. And... You know, it's, it's just very underwhelming. For me, it's Rabbit Hole, hands down. This is one of the laziest songs Mark has ever written, in my opinion. And yes, I know they have a bunch of joke songs, but that's the point, people. They're joke songs. They're not to be taken seriously. This song is, I really, really can't get into this song. I skip it every time I listen to the album. Initially, I liked that one, the best out of the three singles. However, when the rest of the album was released, I was like... It blew that out of the water. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, forget it. (laughs) Okay, Eric, honorable mentions. We get two. Hit me. For me, sober and cynical. Nice. Solid. Solid. 
Oh my God, I want to know what's your top three now because, okay, well, my honorable mentions are Home is Such a Lonely Place and She's Out of Her Mind. Nice. Very nice. I'm also interested in your top three because I honestly would have, <laughs> I would have thought She's Out of Her Mind would have been in your top three. You would have. You would have. So my top three are... In no particular order. In no particular order. She's Out of Her Mind, Left Alone, and San Diego. Nice, Eric. All great songs. Seriously, yes, yes. all great songs. For me, my top three is Cynical, Left Alone, and Sober. Nice. Very nice. All awesome songs. You kind of had the same thing, just in different lists. Exactly, exactly. That always ends up happening to us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And now, moving forward, we have California Deluxe. So, Eric, explain what that's about. That came out in 2017. So Deluxe was basically, you know, their their attempt at including material that kind of almost made the album, but not quite. And they're like, Thank you know, God <laughs> we'll God. get into that. Why? Uh, you know, they're like, this is some <laughs> of our darkest material. And, you know, they, they really, really oversold this Deluxe album, in my opinion. Yeah, I remember watching, because you know how I am, I'm all over everything, Blink-22. I remember watching interviews and Travis was like, this is even better than the original album. This is where it's at. This is like some of our best material we've ever put out. And I know that's what bands say when they're pitching their newest project, regardless if it's true or not. But yeah, the worst thing about California Deluxe is, before I get into the positive, I'm just going to get this out of the way, is it's forgettable. It's boring overall. It's it's not a fun listen. When you listen to California it regardless of if you like the whole thing like some songs whatever but you appreciate it because it's a very fun it brought back the heart of what blink 182 was that you know neighborhoods dogs eating dogs it went down a very more uh a very serious path and california was that return to form in terms of them remembering that at the heart of Blink-182 and the core of the band, it's about having fun, not taking yourself too seriously. So Yeah, I feel like the deluxe, and I'm sure this was the intention of it, was a little too dark. I feel like a lot of the songs were a lot more on the gloomier side, both musically and lyrically. You know, whether that was its intention or not, I'm not too sure. However, you're right. You know, the deluxe edition feels a lot less fun because of that. You know, there's less variety for that reason. It's got great ideas but exactly i don't want people to get the wrong idea there are some really great songs on the deluxe edition that i go back to but as a whole it's just extremely forgettable and boring that that's the biggest crime is it's boring that i was just expecting so much more for the hype and i was like wow you know i really enjoyed california more than i ever thought that i would because like i said earlier i'm a huge tom DeLong fan and uh, it really was a huge blow to me when he left or they kicked him out, whatever you want to go with. But so, yeah, I was very, no pun intended, cynical <laughs> at first, at first, you know, but I really came around on the album and I really appreciate the album for, for what it is and, and Matt Skiba for who he is because he is a really, really big part of what blink is now and regardless if you like alkaline trio or not or you love tom or not 
Matt has his own identity in this band. And that's what's most important to me, that he stands out enough so that, you know, he's clearly not compared to Tom, but at the same time, he is accepted in the Blink-182 community. I think that's really important. And you know what? For for everything that happened, you know, this is only his first album, and I am confident that, you know, as time goes on, he'll learn how to adapt into the overall sound, and they'll have uh, cooler ideas in the future. I'm really hopeful for that. But Eric, on California Deluxe, let's talk about, you know, the positives. Let's get into the highlights, the good things. What did you enjoy about the Deluxe? So what I enjoyed was that they definitely did take chances outside of their course. Totally. Six eights. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Six out of eight for people who don't know. It's a, it's a musical reference. It's a time signature. And six eight is actually the rhythm that the song is played in. So I love that song because it's just so dark. It's so heavy. Unlike anything Blink-182 has ever put out. Yes. I, I would have to say it's in my opinion, the most plus 44 thing Blink has ever done, which I think is really cool. That and Bottom of the Ocean really gave me plus 44 vibes when I listened to it. Oh, yeah. And this song contains Matt Skiba's best vocal performance on the album, in my opinion. He really just goes for it, and I love that. So, Eric, what are some of your favorites on this album? So, definitely 6 out of 8. Uh, Definitely Misery. I love that one. It's got a very special feeling to it. Uh, parking lot too. That's a fun one. Yeah, I, I another love, good opener. Yeah, and I, I love the references to old school punk bands. You know, I thought that was so cool. That was also a time for Matt to shine on this album. Was parking lot. I really enjoyed his parts and his story because you can tell. Back to the lyricism. This is when they got it right in terms of Matt telling you know how he grew up and what they used to do and you know how he hung out and went to the shows and everything so i loved his part on on parking lot yeah and i love the reference to the band naked raygun i feel like they're a very old school punk band that doesn't get enough recognition so thank you matt and other songs i like no i like wildfire to a point but after a while it you know just kind of gets stale you know, I feel like that happens with a lot of these songs. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, they start out good and then they get stale and... They kind of drift off. Yeah, and so, you know, you stop paying attention after a while. Yeah, I, I unfortunately I get what you mean by that. And that's why I mean that this is a very overall underwhelming, you know, album for them. Yeah, yeah, me too. I feel that way too. But Eric, let's just get right into it least favorite off of this album what is it for you so for me without a doubt hey i'm sorry really yeah because for two reasons one i already knew it because it the was the japanese on, bonus track yeah so in my mind it was kind of like a waste of a song slot i kind of feel like that would have gone better with maybe another song that they didn't use so that's one reason and two the freaking use of the woos in this song Like the minute they started, the minute Matt does that at the beginning, it's like you're over it at that point. Eric, you're going to think I'm so lame for my my honorable mentions and my picks. You're going to think I'm so lame. (laughs) I won't think that, I promise. Oh man, but my least favorite definitely was Wildfire. Can can, we just talk, can we talk about what we were doing before we recorded this podcast? Explain to the people, because mine blown we were playing Wildfire, 
and I was like, wait a minute, that opening riff sounds so familiar. And then we went through like, what, three or four Blink songs from the California era that all sound similar to that opening riff. Yeah, and as we were doing that, I told you, funny you should say that, because there's this YouTuber that I watch occasionally. Her name is Monique T. Shout out to you. I Shout love out it. Monique. Mind blown. Yeah, and the way you play guitar is awesome. I love it. So I brought up the video, and she has a video where she states everything wrong with Blink-182's California. And in that video... She says that one of the things she noticed was that they used the same riff for a bunch of songs. Specifically, she plays the riffs for the audience, for the viewers watching her, and the same riff is used in nine songs. We'll put the link to the video in the description of the podcast so you can check it out for yourself. Shout out to Monique. And the challenge is just to... Watch the video and then play it back on your own time. These songs back to back. Because then we got so obsessed with like, okay, now you play this one. Now I'm going to play this one. And really, it's incredible how similar these riffs are. Yes. So the specific songs that she played in the video to get her point across as to the same riff being used were Bored to Death, She's Out of Her Mind, Sober, No Future, San Diego, Misery, Don't Mean Anything, wildfire and long lost feeling that's a lot of songs yeah like like once she got past three i was like well i get it but once it hit like number five i was like wow yeah yeah and once you pointed that out to me and we went back and listened back you like i said this is the challenge you guys have to watch the video well listen to us first finish this episode (laughs) (laughs) and then watch the video in the description And go back on your own time and play these songs back to back. And you tell us what you think. Yes, please do so. All right, so now let's talk about our honorable mentions. Yes, back to the good. Back to the good because there is always good to find in any album. And you just got to look a little bit harder for the deluxe, but it's there. Promise you. So honorable mentions, my two honorable mentions. This is why you're going to say that I'm lame because number one is Bored to Death Acoustic. And it's obviously, it's already been done and it's just an acoustic version. But I really like the sound of it stripped down. And I like the song so much originally that when they stripped it down and it felt like you were in that room while you're listening to it, I love that feeling. So call me lame, call me boring, whatever. Bored to death. <laughs> so there's one. And the second one is definitely six out of eight. Very nice. Very good picks. I actually like that you picked Bored to Death Live because when a song translates into acoustic, it has a different feeling. So I really love like it, it almost feels like a beautiful type of darkness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, it's the same song, but it's not at all the same. Emotion. And they tweak little things in it, you know, which is super cute. Like Matt says Mark instead of, you know, I mean, there's certain lyrics that are replaced in the song and it just has their own personal touches to it that weren't originally there on the studio version. So I really like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. See, you're not lame. (laughs) I told you. (laughs) What about you, Eric? What about you? My honorable mentions are parking lot and don't mean anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Solid, solid. 
yeah, I really love them both and don't mean anything is cool just because, you know, it, it has that, you know, mature lyric writing. I that, like the know. way that Mark says road in that song. I don't know why. I love the way he <laughs> says that one line, the middle of the road. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds cool, right? It does sound cool. Good job, Mark. All right. So my top favorites, my three top favorites in no particular order. Here we go. Are. Favorite six, part. Six out of eight. Bottom of the ocean. And misery. Nice. Wow. Ours are completely different. And I love Misery because of the Alfred Hitchcock reference. I thought that was so cool. Ours are completely different, Eric. Yeah. I'm, all right. I'm excited. What are yours? Because mine are in no particular order except my absolute favorite, which I will say what it is. But so I have Hey, I'm Sorry. Believe it or not. Okay. that's That was okay. my lame reference before. I'm like, oh, you're going to think I'm so lame. I really like the song Hey, I'm Sorry. So definitely a favorite parking lot because i love how fun it is i love how matt shines on that song i love what he has to offer i love his lyrics and everything on that song his part it felt super authentic and it felt like we we knew him growing up or something like that it was just like an inside look into matt's life yeah yeah i think that's that more than anything is what really makes this song so special exactly that's what sold it for me a really fun opening track and I love the lyric where he goes, 10 bucks to get into a fight you can't win. Yes. That is awesome. <sighs> so real. Fully so shows we're still worth 10 bucks nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, so man. what's your final pick? And Eric, I left it for last because this is my absolute favorite on this entire album. One that I actually wish made California itself. I love this song so much. Even if I don't listen to this album or go back to this album as often as I do with the original version of California, Last Train Home. I love this song. Favorite. Absolute really? favorite. Absolute nice. favorite. That's an interesting pick. I love that one line that Mark says, the only time I feel alive is when I find something I would die for. Yeah, that is definitely one of those things that hits you in the gut. If that's not the most Mark lyric ever, I don't know what is. That is straight up plus 44 Mark. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking just now. Exactly. Especially when you think about a song like Baby Come On. I mean, one of the best songs he's ever written. And that lyric, the past is only the future with the lights on. So good. I mean, so good. I think you listen to that and it's kind of like one of those realizations where you're like, oh my God, now I got to rethink everything. <laughs> Even know? he acknowledges that he said in an interview that that was the best line he's ever written. Yeah, absolutely. And if no one's checked it out, check out the acoustic version of yes. Baby Come On. It is so good. That's why I love acoustic versions. I love when things get stripped down because it, it brings a whole new meaning and a whole new vibe to the song. Oh, yeah. Like, you, it's just, you know what? It's something we can't describe just with words, you know? Go listen to it, people. Yes. This is not debatable, okay? This is just, this is fact. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And before we close out today's episode, I just want to say that Blink-182 is my all-time favorite band ever. I cannot stress that enough. No matter what they go through, regardless of Tom leaving or getting kicked out, whatever, that's the thing. I keep saying that because 
only those three individuals know what really happened. We can speculate, we can do the tit for tat, this one posted this, this one said that, but at the end of the day, of the day, they only know the truth. So that's why I kind of leave it out there for people to interpret whatever they want to interpret. But I have to say, regardless of whatever form Blink takes, whatever challenges they may face, whatever content they're putting out, I will always give Blink a chance. They have done so much for me. They've had such an impact on my life. Some of their songs got me through the most difficult times in my life. And at the same time, other songs were the soundtrack of some of the best moments in my life. And I can never repay them enough for what they've done for me personally and what they've done for people all around the world. Yeah, you guys made the correct choice staying as a band and not letting the past repeat itself. Like, seriously, thank you so much for continuing to be a band and for making California. So we wanted to end this episode giving Travis a shout out. Eric, quickly, you want to explain what's been going on with Travis lately? Yes, so he unfortunately had blood clots in both of his arms, so he went to get treatment for it, but unfortunately, during the treatment, they the people who were treating him were negligible, and the needles they used on him were infected. So on top of that now, he's got a staph infection, and unfortunately, that's really affected his ability to play and and they had to cancel a bunch of their shows they had to cancel a lot of their vegas residency which i was supposed to see them in vegas that was in uh mid to late june so there was that and then they were gonna go on a mini tour for this fall just a short run before getting back to vegas and that was also canceled because of the fact that now on top of his already existing condition he found out he has staph infection, which is terrible. Yeah, so the both of us just want to wish him a really good recovery. Exactly. And I just want to say that, you know, as, as an aspiring musician myself, I truly, truly hope for the best because, you know, he himself as a musician, playing music is his life. Exactly. Listen, I know everybody out there was super, super upset that these shows got canceled. Of course, I was devastated as well because... I wanted to see them twice and I got canceled on this year twice. But at the end of the day, it's not about our selfish wants and needs. It's about the best interests of Travis and his health. And we wish him not only a speedy, but a safe and healthy recovery. Because at the end of the day, music is his life. And it would be such a shame, you know, if anything were to get in the way of that. So we really send our well wishes to you, Travis, by any chance of you listening to this, we really wish you uh, all the best. Absolutely. And on that note, you guys, we are ending this episode. We had a lot to say about California and California Deluxe, but it's not even about us. It's about you guys. We want to know what you think about both of these albums. What do you think about the lineup change? What do you think about the whole controversy if Tom left versus he got kicked out? 
Uh, what are your favorite songs off of both? What's your least favorite? We want to know it all. Guys, all you have to do is go to www.musicmattersmedia.com and reach out to us. And we can't wait to hear from you on this because I want to have a huge discussion about everything that w- that we spoke about here with everyone else. Yeah, we totally want to hear from you guys. So go to that page. <laughs> and on that note, you guys, we are out of here. Please stay tuned for our next episode. Yeah.